That's grody. Power pooping. Also, for some reason, everyone down there knew the Kingsleys. Chris. All right, if you all please stand. Welcome to Heartland Christian Church, and if someone will go ahead and give him praise or thanks for something he is or does. Amen. That's good. Dan. And for Wendy's for helping out. Anybody else? Wow. Anybody else? Patty. Amen. Anybody else? All right, we're... Amen. Anybody else? All right, we're going to read from Psalm 72. <laughs> Psalm 72 of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May the fear of you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May 
Desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Sheba bring give, and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious in their blood is his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land on the tops of the mountains. May it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all nations call him blessed. Heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Just ask the man who 
Jesus said to them, Verily true, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as they living fathers sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. 
but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Father, we just thank you for giving your son for us. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your broken body. Lord, we just ask that you bless it and that we seek the truth in you. And it's in your name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Before I start on the slides, I just want to make sure, if you haven't gotten a bulletin, be sure to get one. Um, this tells you a little bit about life at Heartland, so things that are going on in the building as well as outside the building. 
Um, there are also um, May calendars out there, grab one of those. One thing that's not on the calendar is next Saturday, May 27th, we're gonna be doing some community uh, garden efforts. We're gonna extend the current, current garden that's out there. So if you're interested in something to do next holiday weekend is Saturday um, at 10 a.m., please join us. It's, it's also located in here. The insert talks about what's gonna be happening tonight, which you'll see a preview on today, but it's about the chosen. Um, back to the slides. Pill bottle collections, we're always accepting um, prescription or um, over-the-counter pill bottles. It can be the lids. You don't even have to have the lids. Uh, please empty them. <laughs> don't bring them with something in them. Um, we take them over to Matthew 25, and they can recycle them or use them for um, lots of other things uh, locally and globally. Ink cartridge collection, if you're gonna throw them away, we'll save on your trash and it'll help reduce the cost of office supplies here at the church. Food pantry closed closets, Thursday every five, um, every Thursday, five to 7 p.m. Um, if you have donations you'd like to drop off, whether it's food or clothes, we also take shoes. You can bring them on Thursday during the same time or Sunday after service. Here's some uh, list of most frequently needed items. Refit is free dance fitness class, Tuesday, Thursday, and recently we've added Fridays, 6.30 to 7.30. Empty nesters, um, a ladies' study for, um, on Thursdays, uh, 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's house, reading through um, an annual book called Women of the Bible. Breakfast fellowship is the first Sunday of the month at 9.30. Breakfast is better when we eat together. So it's just a way to get together um, in the morning before we start service, eat and, and get to know each other. Mellon Ridge Ministry is uh, May 28th, next Sunday at 2 p.m., bringing worship to the residents at Mellon Ridge. Lunch is provided. If you're interested or you have questions, let me know. If you'd like to join for sure, um, sign up at the welcome table just outside there. It's every other month, so it lasts about 45 minutes to an hour. Weekly budget needs are listed there, and um, at the bottom it lists ministries you're supporting through your giving. Ways to give in person, online, and texting. The Chosen, we are going to be showing the first season um, starting tonight. It's a free community event, so tell your neighbors, tell your friends, tell your family. Um, starts at 6.30, lasts till about 7.45. We're gonna have free popcorn and drinks. We're gonna bring down the big screen. Um, we will stay after for discussion if you guys want to. Nothing formal is gonna be um, starting, at least not today. Um, I guess that's subject to change. But it's gonna start today. It's gonna last through July 9th, um, with exception of Father's Day, and we'll show the trailer here now. My son, they've run out of wine. Mother, my time has not yet come. If not now, when? <laughs> I'm ready, father. has begun. What has? Miracles. Signs and wonders. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name. You have experienced a miracle, Mary. I saw him. It was incredible. Our Father. Our Father. Who art in heaven. Who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. The man has a following. He's a rogue who answers to no one. You asked me before if I knew his name. Now everyone knows his name. And I fear for his safety. Throw this down for a catch. Do you think that impossible things can happen? That overturn the laws of nature? <laughs> that cannot be explained. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. This is different. Get used to different. My whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. Follow me, Nicodemus, and you'll see more. God loves the world in this way, that he gave his only son. I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> I was counting on it. Anything is possible now. Don't you see? Let's go. I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him.
All right. Ooh. Morning, everybody. All right, so before um, I get into the teaching for today, uh, we're going to have Donna come forward. She's going to join the church. Donna, 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 Donna. Yeah. <laughs> so she came up to me last week. She had said um, she'd been here for a while. She'd come and gone and decided that this is the place she wants to call her home, so she's going to join the church today. All right. So Donna Reeves, that's your last name, right? <laughs> Donna Reeves. I do know, yeah. So um, I'm going to give you this piece of paper when, um, when we get finished here. This will be your official certificate. We're going to have you sign. But uh, as we, before we do that, let me ask you to uh, say, the Lord's, say the Lord's Prayer. What am I doing up here today? <laughs> To repeat after me, uh, I, believe I believe Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the, Christ. the Son of the living God, my Lord and my Savior. All right, and with that, she uh, becomes a member of the church. She's already been baptized, so we don't do that, but <laughs> thank you, Donna. I welcome her into the church. And if anybody else wants to know how all that works, wants to become a member, uh, just talk to one of us. Me or uh, Dan Simpson, who was just up here, one of our elders. Uh, the other elder, also our um, deacons, you can talk to them about the same thing if you want to know how to become a part of the church. So yeah, uh, you just get an indication just now with all that just went on there with where my mind is right now. I'm kind of scattered a little bit. It's been a really busy week, so pray for me as we get into this message because things are a little bit rocky right now. So 
We're going to get into uh, Luke's gospel again. So let's turn together in our Bibles to Luke chapter 3. We're going to read verses 15 through 16, Luke 3, 15 through 16. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The title of today's teaching is Holy Spirit Baptism, and this is going to be part three of this series that we started a few weeks back. So in Luke 3, 15 through 16, the scriptures say, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That you may be seated. So uh, three weeks ago, I opened up a can, and now we have worms everywhere. <laughs> so I originally just was going to preach one message on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Then as I studied it more and more, I see that there's just so much to this subject. It's just not as simple as I want it to be, or a lot of people seem to seem to uh, make it out to be. It's just it's not that simple. And we might just be in this series until the Lord comes back. I don't really know, but we're going to continue today. And so far in this series, we've learned that the promise of Holy Spirit baptism is for all God's people. We learned the meaning of Holy Spirit baptism is to receive the gift of the, the Father promised, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit poured out on you, and to have the Holy Spirit come on you. Now, for Luke, those are all different ways of saying the same thing. Now, we also saw that the purpose of Holy Spirit baptism is to receive supernatural spiritual gifts that equip us for Christ-honoring service. Now, last week, we started to talk about the particulars or the practical aspects of Holy Spirit baptism, and we saw that Holy Spirit baptism happens after water baptism, and Holy Spirit baptism happens through prayer and the apostles placing their hands on people. If you haven't listened to those messages, uh, you can go back and listen to them on the website. They should, uh, they'll be up there. So the Lord Jesus gave the apostles the unique authority to communicate the gift of the Holy Spirit through prayer and the laying on of their hands. And we ended last week with this question. If Holy Spirit baptism happens through prayer and the laying on or the, the apostles placing their hands on people, well, what does that mean for us? Now, the apostles are not among us anymore. They're no longer with us. So how do we apply this in the church? Well, to answer that question, we've got to start with an understanding of the authority and the power Jesus gave to his apostles to build the church. And that's, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about the authority that the Lord Jesus gave the apostles. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, your precious word to us. We ask you to enlighten our minds and our hearts to learn and receive the truth and to give us grace to obey the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about the authority that Jesus gave the apostles to build the church. Now Luke introduces us to this truth in Luke 6, 13 through 16. He says, after, sorry, after he tells, tells us that Jesus went away from the crowd, he went up a mountain, and he spent all night in prayer to God, well, Luke tells us this. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, 
James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, notice that Jesus called all of his disciples to him, and then from among the disciples, he chose 12 men whom he designated or appointed to the office of apostle. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, another James, another Simon, and two men named Judas. These 12 men were set apart by Jesus to be apostles, men who were sent out by Jesus to represent him, to speak on his behalf about the kingdom of God. These men were the first official leaders in the church. And as we'll see, Jesus chose to build his church on these 12 men. Well, at least 11 of these 12 men, because one of the 12 apostles betrayed Jesus and was replaced by a man named Matthias. Luke talks about this in Acts 1, 15 through 26. He says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was was in all about 120 and said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that the, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldema, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May this camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. And that word is very important, take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barzabas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, forfeited his apostolic office, and was replaced by Matthias. So Matthias became one of the 12 apostles on whom Jesus will build his church. Now, a few days after Jesus appointed the original disciples to the the, uh, office of apostles back there on the mountain, in Luke 9, 1 through 6, Luke tells us this, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor honey, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Jesus gives the 12 men he appointed to the apostolic office the power and the authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. 
This was the same power and authority Jesus had demonstrated to God's people before he chose his apostles. That Jesus had preached the gospel of the kingdom to the poor. He'd healed people from diseases and set people free from demonic power. And this was proof that the kingdom of God had come, had come to God's people in the person of Jesus. Now, Jesus passes that same authority and power on to the apostles he appointed and sent them out to do what he had been doing. Now, all of this happened while Jesus was still on earth. Before his suffering, before his death, before his burial and resurrection, and after Jesus went to the cross and died for the sins of the world and then rose again and he conquered the grave, well, Jesus gave his apostles even more authority. In John 20, 19-23, John tells us, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, this is the risen Jesus talking now. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his, and, and, and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. Listen to these words. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And these words right here, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So much more than the authority to teach in his name and to do miracles and drive out demons and cure diseases in his name, Jesus gave the apostles the authority to give, to give or deny forgiveness of sins. Now, many of us don't have any category for that when we think about that. It's only, we were more like the Pharisees who said, who can forgive sin but God alone? Well, Jesus gives this authority clearly to his apostles after he dies and rises again. So just as Jesus had forgiven sins while on earth, he gives his apostles the authority to forgive sins. But Jesus gave the same authority to his apostles as the Father had given to Jesus. The Father sent Jesus into the world to teach people the way to salvation through his Son. As Luke says in Acts 10, 38 through 43, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. This is Peter talking right here. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So God the Father anointed his son Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power when he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. I think we talked about that last week where Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit comes on him. That's when Jesus receives the Holy Spirit and power to go do what the Father wants him to do. And from that time on, Jesus began his ministry. Jesus went around doing good and healing both the physical and spiritual sickness of people who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus also forgave their sins. And in the same way, after his resurrection, well, Jesus anointed his, his disciples with the Holy Spirit and power to go and do the same works that he did. Jesus did not give this ability to all the disciples. And here's where so many people get in trouble. We read words that were spoken only to the apostles as if they apply to everyone. 
and they simply do not. Jesus gave this ability only to the apostles who had seen him and ate with him after he rose from the grave. Jesus commanded them to go and preach about the coming judgment on the kingdoms of this world and to preach the, the truth that it's only through faith in the name of the Lord Jesus that we can have our sins forgiven. But here's something we need to understand about the forgiveness that comes through the name of Jesus. That forgiveness is tied to Christ's body in the church. It's the church that's founded on the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. After Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven, Jesus gave the authority to forgive or not forgive sins into the hands of his apostles. And that's clearly what Jesus said in John 20. 23. Let's read it again here. He says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So when Jesus breathed on his apostles and gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit, he also gave them the authority to speak and act on his behalf in all matters concerning his church, including the forgiveness and not forgiveness of sins. See, this ministry is something Jesus had been preparing his apostles for while he was with them on the earth. In Matthew 16, 15, and 19, when Jesus asked his disciples who they said he is, Peter said to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Simon says, touch your nose. <laughs> Couldn't resist him, right? <laughs> that was too easy, right? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> now, Simon says, Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus says this was revealed to Simon by the Father. And then Jesus reveals something else to Simon. Jesus says he will build his church on two things. First, Jesus will build his church on the truth about himself. The foundational truth contained in Peter's confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In other words, Jesus himself is the cornerstone of the church's foundation. Next, Jesus will build his church on the truth about Peter. So Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. And the name Peter means rock. And people go on and on about Jesus using two different Greek words here for rock and then claim that this proves Jesus is making a distinction between Simon Peter as the rock and the rock on which Jesus will build his church. But here's an important question. If Jesus wanted to make a distinction between Simon and the rock on which Jesus would build his church, then why change Simon's name at all? Why not just say, Simon, you are Simon, and on this rock I will build my church? Well, the fact is Jesus changed Simon's name to rock and then says, on this rock I will build my church. Why did he do this? Well, it's because Peter is a rock on which Jesus builds his church. Jesus makes this even more clear when he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom. And he gives Peter the authority to bind and loose. 
And what all this means is Peter has authority from Jesus to forbid or allow people into the church, to forbid or allow teachings and practices in the church, and the authority to forgive or not forgive sin. So the foundation of the church starts with the Lord Jesus as the cornerstone. The next stone or rock put in place by Jesus is Peter. But Jesus and Peter are not the only rocks in the church's foundation. And Peter does not hold the keys alone, nor does Peter bind and loose alone. No, Peter represents all of the other 11 apostles. Jesus gives the same keys and the same authority to all the apostles. And as Paul says in Ephesians 2.20, the church is not just built on Jesus or Peter. It is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So you don't think of the foundation as one rock, like a slab of concrete. I mean, for me, that's what comes into my mind when I think about foundations. It's like this one slab, one big slab. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about foundations in the Scriptures. Think of the foundation as many rocks placed next to each other. And that's what Jesus and the apostles are to the church. So the apostles, all of them, have the same keys as Jesus, the same authority as Jesus to build his church. And Jesus teaches the same truth in Matthew 18, 15 through 19. Now, speaking to all the 12 apostles here, Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their faults just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, many of us, including myself, are guilty of ripping verse 19 from its context and using this verse to teach something Jesus never intended. See, Jesus is not signing a blank check for two or three Christians to gather in his name, have a prayer meeting, agree on something, and then we get whatever we ask for. That's not what Jesus is talking about. But the context here is how the official leaders of the church, who are at this time the apostles, that's who Jesus is talking to here, Jesus teaches them how to deal with members of the church who engage in sinful behavior. So first, one official leader of the church confronts the person in private, and if the person repents, then no further action is needed. The person is restored to the Lord. But if the sinning Christian does not repent, then the first official leader is to take one, of, one or two of the other church leaders and confront the person again in private. If the sinning Christian still refuses to repent, then the two or three church leaders are to tell the matter to the whole church. And if the sinning Christian still refuses to repent, then the church leaders are to put the person out of the church. They obviously have refused to repent. There's really no hope for anybody who doesn't want to repent. So you put them out of the church to, you put them out of fellowship with, with the Lord's church. Not only to protect the Lord's people here, but hopefully being put out of the church will bring that person back to the Lord. So the two who agree on something in verse 19 are the same two or three witnesses who've tried to turn the sinning Christian back to the Lord. They've refused to repent and are brought by the same witnesses before the church. They still refuse to repent. So the same witnesses, 
the official leaders with the gathered church agree to put a sinning, unrepentant brother or sister out of the church. And Jesus says, whatever decision is made by two or three official leaders of the church on earth will be a binding decision in heaven. So again, Jesus gives Peter and the apostles the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The apostles have the keys to the church. And they use the keys of the kingdom to open the doors of the church to some and to lock the doors to others. They have the power to forbid. They have the power to allow. Jesus gave his apostles authority to decide what is binding, what is not binding in the church. Why did he do this? Well, it's because when the apostles speak, it's not them speaking, but the Spirit of God speaking through them. See, they speak and act under the authority of the Lord Jesus, who is the head of the church. Now, as we close, what does this have to do with spirit baptism? That's where we started with it. What does all this got to do with that? Well, you're going to need to come back next week to hear the answer to that. <laughs> because next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus also gives the apostles the authority to communicate the gift of the Holy Spirit through prayer and the laying on of hands. We'll talk about that next week. So everybody come back then. All right, let's all stand for prayer. Simon, yeah. Lord, we thank you so much again for your word. Thank you for opening up our minds and hearts to receive it. Lord, I ask you to help us to truly understand this subject, Lord, as we talk about spirit baptism. The many things that you tell us in your word about it, God. If there are things that we are learning here today that don't quite match what we've been taught or things that don't match your word, God, I pray that you reveal that to us and then give us the ability to, to uh, hear the truth and obey the truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so they're going to sing a final song. Uh, while they do that, you're welcome to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, we invite you to come forward. We'll have people pray for you. If you don't want anybody to pray for you, you just want to pray by yourself, you can also do that. If you have a question about something I've said today, I'll be available afterwards. You can talk to me about that. Or you can also talk to any of the elders, deacons, anything, and any one of them about what I've said here. Um, so yeah, they're, they're going to uh, sing a final song. Before they do that, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
See you. 
Lifted.